0: You are listening to The Fox, a podcast novel written and read by Arlene Radaski Chapter fifteen Jana seventy-five AD August Laverne waited outside the door to our dwelling, his eyes filled with questions. After treading slowly through the gates of our village, my head full of doubts and fear, I stopped in front of him, not knowing how he would receive me. He gently took both my hands into his, raised them to his lips and kissed my fingers, his tears wetting my knuckles. His right hand moved to my head. I leaned into it. "'and his left hand to our doorframe. "'He prayed a blessing on our home and me. "'His hand rested on my shoulder. "'I looked into his deep blue eyes "'and saw an immense relief and then deep concern. "'Dread replaced my temporary happiness. "'I did not know how much he knew of the events that led me here. "'I arrived home several days ago,' he said, "'after you came to me in the passage dream.' We rode as fast as we could, stopping only to sleep a few hours and feed the ponies. You were gone when I arrived. I learned of your taking and of Bethan's death from your mother. I bowed my head, unable to look into his eyes any longer. I thanked all the gods for sparing your life, he said. I wanted to ride after you to comfort you and heal your spirit. I craved to hold you in my arms and assure myself you were well. Yet." "'You did not come,' I whispered. "'Why?' "'The heat of his body touching my skin "'made my stomach burn. "'I drew into myself unclean, "'not worthy of his touch. "'I felt his arms fall away "'and air moved as he stepped back. "'In my mind I knew he smelled "'the stench of the badger, "'the man who took me, "'which I carried in my nose continually. "'I could not leave your mother.' We have taken her to the hospice. She was not eating when I arrived two days ago. She is very ill. Startled at his news, I said, My mother? My mother is not here? I had prayed to hear her healing words on my arrival home. Disturbing news of my mother's progressing illness was not in the vocabulary of my dreams. My stomach turned inside out, and my world began to tumble again. My reunion with Laverne, Curative moments of talk and love would have to wait. The forgiveness I felt at Bethan's tomb was far away in the depths of my heart. I lived in routine. I rose early, after little sleep, and saw after mother's daily needs. Cilius and I would make medicines and complete chores while Laverne and Harald went around the village to visit the injured and ill. Laverne and I had not slept together since my return. I made my bed at the hospice because of mother, and he at our home. We had not spoken about my taking, although Laverne tried. Once, while alone in the yard of the hospice, he turned to me holding a bucket of water he had gathered from the sacred spring. Jana, drink from the God's water. Let it rinse the gloom from your soul. Let it wash away your memories. His hand dipped in and offered me a drink. The sun was too bright for my eyes, and the birds too shrill. You cannot want me, I said. I am impure. You are a healer. It will cause you to be ill. Pain filled his eyes, but I could not stay. His glances were licks of fire on my skin. His touches caused unseen bruises. Nausea rose violently in my gut, and I ran away. To find a path of purification was a constant prayer of mine. My days were long and nights longer. The gods called me even in my time of distress. Death in our clan required my attendance during this time. Braden was the cause of another heaviness in my heart. Brayden and Colum had ridden hard with Laverne from the seaside. On their return they had gone back to practicing daily as warriors and hunting. Both decided to chase an old boar that had lived in our forest, fattened on acorn for several sun cycles. Running ahead of Callum, Braden slipped and the angered animal split his gut with long, sharp tusks. Callum ran into the hospice with Braden cradled like a baby in his strong arms. I told him you would heal him, Laverne. I said you have the God's ear. He laid Braden on the cot, breathing fast and bleeding from his midsection. Laverne and I prepared the meal of boiled onions. We fed to those with such wounds. It told the severity of the damage. The smell of onions came from Braden's belly. It was then we knew death would come soon. There was to be no miracle here. Brayden died the hard death of a gut wound. For two sunrises he was brave and tried not to show pain, but the third day gave way to his deep groans and cries. I sat and talked with him, trying to capture a vision to help him cross the river of death. He strongly resisted, in a low voice, tempered with a smile. I recalled the times we played as children. Braden always seemed to attract trouble. His father was strict, yet always forgave. Together we remembered the day Bethan watched Braden prove himself as a young warrior. He won a contest as he practiced fighting with the other young men of the clan. Impressed by Braden's strength and skills, Bethan called him to be one of the chieftain's guards. He was among the bravest in the band of personal protectors Bethan had around him. It was during that time I imagined him to be my first choice of a husband. Braden, my friend,' I said, "'I am sorry for my being captured and forcing Bethan into battle without you.' "'You might have been able to save him. "'Thank you for protecting Laverne on your journey. "'Braden, be in peace. "'We will sing songs to your name. "'You will be in my mind as long as I live. "'When you cross the river, you will be at the hand of Bethan. "'Go. He has need of you there.' "'Braden slipped into the deep, death sleep. "'My labyrinth guided my thoughts to his river-crossing. Through a fog of a vision, I helped him into death's boat. Braden's sucking breath rattled and stopped. It saddened me to see the hero of my youth pass. After this death, I realized it was time to tend to my own life. I tried to wish the guilt away, but it hung over me like a black cloud and hid the warmth of my friends and Laverne. I took a deep breath and decided to try to perform the necessary rituals to cleanse myself and prepare for my mother's death. My mother's dying happened in small stages. I attended her evening meals. She could eat tiny spoonfuls of wild carrot and rabbit stew with encouragement. Questions arose in her eyes, sunken into her thin face as I fed her. The answers out of my reach. Among other rituals, I prepared hazel memory sticks for my mother. She and I recalled her life story, and she chose a remembrance for each stick. There were ten. Among them were the days she spent with my father. She used three sticks to record the day she met him, the day they married, and the day she came to believe he would not return. She told me she believed that whatever way he died, he went calling our names his love for you and me kept him returning from his travels. He would not have stayed away willingly. Now I will join him, she said with a faraway look in her eyes. Three more sticks stood for memories of hers and Bethan's childhood, their mother's love for them, times she and Bethan enjoyed playing and later hunting together. The days of play did not last long, Bethan knew early he was to become our chieftain, and started the necessary training before he was ten. It sometimes made him insufferable to live with, but I was proud of him. The day he became chieftain was a very good day for our family. He was a brave and fair leader of our clan. His death was not in vain, and he will be remembered long after I am forgotten." After I took a deep breath with my eyes closed in Bethan's memory, I said, "'Mother, you will be at his table to remind him of his family, "'carry our love to him. "'In this you will be remembered also.' "'The last four memory-sticks were for my birth, "'her only child, and events around our life together. "'The day you were born your father gave me this bronze armlet.' "'She shook it from her bag.' her arms too thin to wear it. It is one of the first pieces Finley made with decoration. Its spirals symbolize the continuing of our bloodline. I want you to have it now, Jonna. It is up to you to carry on your father's family. I also want you to wrap me in my plaid cape when I die. The day Bethan took the plaid you created and declared it to be the clan plaid was a good day in my life. She paused to cough. "'Blood now colored the cloth she used to wipe her mouth. "'I brought her a cup of warm-brewed chamomile to calm her. "'Good. That is very good. "'It is in the goddess's light that you are now working to help our clan in healing, "'and to assist our spirits across the river to the other world "'is a path that will take you straight to the goddess's side when it is your turn to go. "'I am proud you are my daughter.' Your marriage to Laverne will bring only good to our family, I am assured. My mind was buzzing like a hive of bees with the memories we had discussed. Her pride for me was an emotion she had not expressed before, and I was humbled. I grasped her hand and held it to my lips, tears falling into her palm. My heart knew she would be in a strong body when she crossed, but my mother would also be gone from my everyday life. The calming words I said to others at this time seemed difficult to believe right now. At day's end, on the thirtieth day after I arrived home from Bethan's tomb, we burned her hazel memory sticks, bundled in one long red thread. Holding the bundle, she kissed it three times, said goodbye to her past, and slipped them into the fire. Laverne, herault and Cilius reverently watched. A tender smile filled my mother's eyes with calmness, and she slowly nodded in approval. The vision that came to me in that fall's night air filled with peat-smoke began with the god Krununos. He wore the head of a red deer and pointed to a peak covered in clouds. As a hawk I flew over the peak, down under the clouds to see Belle and Marigna drinking from a single cup. The battle for my soul had been waged and was now over. Both had hands on the cup as they raised it to the knot of tall, rowan trees, our sacred trees of healing and life. A white stag stood under the tree and stared at me, the hawk, and lifted its head in greeting. The splendid white animal tossed its head as an invitation, and I perched on its mighty antlers. Blood dripping from an arrow lodged in its heart splashed on the ground under its breast. My wings carried me down to the pool of warm blood. I watched his life slowly leak away, shadowing his eyes. When he nodded to me, no regret radiated from him. Without warning, brilliant blue butterflies rose in a silent flutter from the forest floor and filled the air around us. Certainty filled my heart. I used my wings to carry me to the air currents and rose above the scene. I looked far below and burned this location into my memory. In my bed at the hospice I awoke to silence. The ravens that had been harshly cawing in my ears every moment since my taking were gone from my head. My shoulders were at rest and my neck's tension was lifted. The weight of guilt was gone from my body. I knew what I needed to do to be purified and to be able to go back to Laverne's side as his life partner. Mother was tranquil, as calm as the cough would let her be. She smiled and seemed to sense a change in me while she sipped a small amount of broth. Mother, I must go for a few days, I said. Laverne and I have a quest. I have found what I need to continue my life, to mend my spirit. Her words filled the spaces around her coughing. "'Go. I have been sad to see pain in your face. "'This is the first day I see light in your eyes. "'My daughter, you must find the way to bring Laverne back into your bed. "'I still ask a grandchild of you. "'Cilius will care for me. "'I will not die before your return. "'Go.' "'I packed bread and dried meat in a cloth, "'filled a skin with water, "'went to fetch a pony from Kenrick's stable, "'and walked it to our lodge.' Laverne was at home. I could not go in but stood in the doorway and called out to him. I was pleased as I looked around. He kept the fire area clean, all the cooking dishes were in the right places, and the ashes swept from the ring. This showed respect for our dwelling. The blanket that separated our room from the rest of the home lifted, and he walked quickly out. "'Jana, are you home to stay?' Joy filled his face until he saw me shake my head. "'Oh!' "'I was coming to the hospice soon. "'Is your mother—' "'Mother is as comfortable as us possible this morning. "'Bring your bow, arrows, and short sword. "'We go to hunt the white stag. "'I have seen where it lives. "'It waits for us by the rowan trees.' "'Laverne stepped forward and laid his palm on my cheek. "'You have had a dream. "'The gods are coming to help us. "'We will recover our lives and live together again. "'I have prayed for this day.' He ran to our room and returned, his bow strung across his back, balancing the bundle of arrows under his arm as he strapped his belt on and slid the sword through it. His dirk was already in its sheath. He was ready to hunt. He stood in front of me, waiting for an explanation of my request, his brows resting under the concerned, caused lines on his forehead. I looked into his face and noted that all the vestiges of the young boy I had seen in my passage dream were gone." his face wore the lean look of a man. I stepped back as he reached for me. I was not ready to allow him to touch me again, and worked to overcome the weakness his scent of honey, acorns, and to-day leather gave me. "'Jana, tell me about your dream. The white stag will bring many blessings to us and our clan, if we can find it,' said Laverne. Cronunos will bring game, and Morigna will be pleased if we capture it for them.' It was in Laverne's heart to think of the clan as well as me. I bit my tongue to keep my selfish reply hidden. The white stag was mine, not a sacrifice for the clan. In the form of a hawk I flew to the stag. I stood on its antlers and was covered in a blue light. Blue butterflies, Laverne, butterflies. It means my rebirth as a pure woman. It foretells my return to be with you. I need to be a part of your life again, and this is the path we must follow to achieve this end. I have waited for a sign, he said. If the gods say we must capture the white stag to allow you to come home to me, to lie in my bed again, then we must go now. There has been too much time apart. We cannot live like this any longer. I will do what is asked of me if it means that I may reclaim you as my partner." "'to love you and caress you. "'If it is not to happen, then I will leave this hill fort. "'I cannot stay without you by my side.' "'He jumped into the saddle of the pony and reached out for me. First, I must tell you that we do not go to capture the stag,' I said. "'I agree it would be a trophy worth much if we could bring it home. "'The gods told me it must be sacrificed.' ITS LIFE IS IN TRADE FOR MINE. NO ONE ELSE MAY BE ALLOWED TO WISH UPON IT. NO ONE ELSE MAY BE ALLOWED TO SEE IT ALIVE. HE FROWNED, THOUGHT FOR A MOMENT WHILE HOLDING THE PRANCING PONY'S reins. IF THE GODS HAVE SENT YOU THIS MESSAGE, I WILL ABIDE. OUR GODS SPEAK WITH YOU AS WELL AS ME. IF IT IS TO BE A SACRIFICE, IT SHALL BE. LET US GET STARTED. He grasped my arm and easily pulled me up behind him. I shifted, clutching his narrow waist under his bow and over his belt, as we started downhill. Go to the mountain trail that is in the morning shadows, I whispered into his ear and tightly held on. I pressed myself against his straight back, buried my nose in his hair and took deep breaths, filled with the scent of him. Janna, I have missed you, he said, turning slightly to me. Quiet! We must be as quiet as your fox on this journey, or the stag will flee. We will talk after, I pledge." His slight groan and flick of the reins betrayed his impatience. I followed the trail I had seen from the air as a hawk. We went without a stumble around large boulders and across very narrow, washed out parts of an animal path for the rest of the day and into the night. We were guided by the gods, but tired as humans. Stopped to rest, we ate dried meat and drank water from the skin. There was neither a fire nor words between us. The rocky ground did not allow an easy night's sleep. Confusion clouded my thoughts. I prayed to be on the right trail. I thought about my mother. I remembered my childhood. So many memories dredged up with my mother's memory sticks and Braden's death. The ever-present smell and hideous thoughts of the time I was taken slipped between the happier moments, as much as I tried to erase them. Laverne traced his labyrinth. In the light of the moon I brought my labyrinth into my lap and ran my finger over its lines. My fast breath of unease slowed into measured calmness. In my mind, understanding the scenes were not real, I was able to relive my taking— I was on this path for redemption, to be allowed to purify myself, and I had a need to fully remember why. The tension that was always present during these times of recollection was gone. Laverne sat near me, and we were here to wash this evil spirit from me with the blood of the stag. The night escaped as dawn's light streaked over the top of the mountain, luminous pink, "'reflected from the granite boulders over the mountaintop "'allowed me to recognize this place. "'We had arrived without my knowing. "'We were in the clearing of my vision.' "'The stag is here,' I whispered to Laverne, "'cautioning him not to speak. "'Crouching in the grassy edge of the trees, "'we crept to the copse of Rowan's, "'their leaves beginning to turn the golden red of autumn.' The proud buck stood just beyond the perimeter of the trees. His thick neck lifted his fine head to sniff the morning air, and he took a step forward. His muscles rippled just under his snow-white pelt, and his tail flicked at an annoying insect. He stretched his neck up, becoming taller than Laverne, to eat the higher, more tender leaves. The sun continued to climb in the sky and enveloped him in a golden light as we watched. I counted ten points on each side of his antler crown. Here stood a legendary creature of the forest. His carriage was one of a virile, tested bull. One at this age had given life to many young. His proud bloodline assured that gods would let us take him. Breathing quietly and seldom, we crawled on our bellies to cross the distance between us, The underbrush provided cover. He seemed not to hear us. Laverne notched an arrow to his bow. My body trembled and I fought not to close my eyes as Laverne slowly stood, pulled the string of his bow and took careful aim. "'Give me the permission,' prayed Laverne in a whisper, "'and the strength enough to kill this mighty animal of nature with one arrow.' "'May it be accepted as my sacrifice.' "'I prayed for Laverne's straight aim and crouched, "'prepared to give chase after the arrow was shot. "'The stag's ears twitched, "'and he looked over his shoulder, away from us, "'into the depths of the trees. "'He snorted and took in a breath "'that rattled the nearby leaves. "'He seemed to be given us the chance to take his life "'while not looking into his eyes. "'Laverne let loose the arrow.' Hearing the twang of the bowstring, the stag turned to face us. His intelligent black eyes bore into my heart with the knowledge of his demise. I begged for his forgiveness just as his ears cocked toward me. As if he heard and understood my need, he stepped into the arrow's path. His head rose, carried his eyes to the heavens, and opened his heart for the iron point of death. Pierced, He jumped and snorted. His antlers vibrated with the shock. The arrow sank deep into his chest, and he fell to his knees, unable to run. We raced to his side just as his noble head settled to the ground. I knelt, touched his forehead, and gazed into his eyes as he took his last breath. It sounded like a sigh of relief. Then, as if released from this difficult world, his inner light extinguished. Another trade, another life for mine. A life so my bloodline would continue. Together, Laverne and I rolled the magnificent animal to its side, and Laverne pulled his dirk from his belt to open the stag's neck veins. The red blood ran down its white neck and spilled onto the green mat of grass. My cupped hands captured a few drops, and I sipped. I tasted the smell of Finley's smithy, hot metal. Laverne drank, and then we wiped our hands across our faces. Laverne's cheeks were streaked with the crimson fluid that had been the white stag's life. I felt the stickiness on my face and watched it drizzle crimson down my arms in spiral trails. They ran under and copied the design on the armlet my mother gave me, the spirals of life. Laverne jumped up, droplets of blood spraying through the air. Janna. "'Look! Behind you! Quickly!' Thinking the mate of the stag may be on her way to take her revenge, my breath caught in my throat as I twisted to look in the direction his blood-covered finger pointed. Out of the corners of my eyes I captured movement, a rush of blue flickering and floating on the air. Facing the trees, my eyes wide, I watched clouds of small blue butterflies lift to the sky.' I accepted the scene from my vision. The blue butterflies and the white stag were here in this copse of roran trees to heal my relationship between Laverne and me. I did not question our presence. We were here by the grace and wonderment of the gods. A song came to my lips. Annamen, dance on air and color to bring life and blessings from the gods. "'Purify our spirits, bring change and rebirth. a alight, blue mysteries, and heal me. "'Anumen, Anumen, Anumen. Oh Morigna!' sang Laverne in his own prayer song. "'Shown in the form of Kurnunos, we welcome you. "'The king of the forest rests at our feet. "'In him we seek fertility for ourselves, "'our forests and the animals within. "'Bless us, so in your name "'we may continue to teach others to bless you.' "'Blessed Kernunos, we will forever be grateful for your blessing "'and allowing us to sacrifice the white stag to Morigna and you.' "'I will be there until I am free,' I said, "'and pointed to the edge of the small meadow where we spent the night. "'I will come to you when I feel my soul release.' "'Laverne nodded. "'I picked up my cape and walked a small distance away. "'Laverne continued singing just out of reach of my ears,' Birds in the forest around me twittered, their songs sweet again. Laverne stripped off his clothing. I admired his tall, lean body and the muscles that worked as he shoved the stag's body into position. Laverne's penis hanging limp between his legs did not show his true virility. He was my lover and I tingled with the memory. I kneeled and wrapped myself in my cape, my labyrinth bag in hand. I thought on the reasons we were here. Through the rest of the day I relived my first meeting Laverne in Bethan's home. Laverne went into the forest and returned with a short log. After he reached in and cut out the stag's tongue, he placed the log just under its chin, lifting its neck off the ground. He placed the tongue on the grass nearby. He lifted his short sword into the air, bringing it down repeatedly until the stag's head separated from its body. He grasped it by its antlers and sat it on its neck, facing his work. Then he rolled the stag's body to its back and cut a deep line down the belly with his dirk. He cut again at the joint of each leg. Grasping a corner of the pelt, he pulled and cut under the skin to separate it from its body. I remembered falling in love with him as he taught me how to heal and find my life's path." Midday saw the pelt completely removed and set aside. Kneeling, covered with blood, Laverne carved large pieces of meat off its shoulders and haunches. As if called, a small red fox walked to Laverne's side, its sharp nose dug into Laverne's arm to announce its arrival. Startled, Laverne looked down and laughed at the brave copper-colored animal. Its snow-white-tipped red tail swished slowly back and forth. Laverne crawled on his knees, not rising above the small animal more than necessary, and reached for the stag's tongue. He laid it just in reach of the fox. The fox sauntered over, sniffed, bit into it, and tried to lift it. It was too heavy, so the fox snorted, gave in, and dragged his prize back into the forest from whence he came. Laverne watched in silence and bowed his head to the empty air left by the disappearing sly fox. After quenching his thirst from our water-skin, Laverne reached into his labyrinth bag and retrieved the red thread we had been hand-fasted with. It fell in tendrils from his fingers as he brought it to his lips and kissed it. His penis became partially erect, I wondered if he was remembering the night of love that came after that ceremony. He tied the thread around the antlers of the stag. I recalled our marriage, the night of love we shared, my loins moistened and readied for entry. Using his sword with both hands, Laverne dug a hole. He finished it just as the sun started on the downside of the day. He disappeared into the forest again. My throat closed, and I grew weak with the memory of the fear of my taking and the death of Bethan. When he returned, he piled the logs he carried into the hole, along with twigs and small branches. He pulled and rolled the stag's body with difficulty into the hole. The king of the forest's head balanced on top of its body. Laverne laid his short sword near the hole and reached into his bag again for his firestones. He lit the tinder and wood under the stag. Soon wood and fat fed red and gold flames jumped into the air. The fire's smoke rose to the darkening sky. The body of the white stag, king of the forest, was consumed by the purifying blaze. His spirit flew into the forests of the gods on the smoke. Laverne stood to watch for several breaths then reached it down and picked up the white pelt he had removed earlier. He walked towards me. I could hear his voice. Holding out the white pelt, he prayed, "Marigna Bell, hear my pleas. Forgive my wrongdoings. Give me the power to heal and protect. Give me the guidance to bring back into the true line of our nature, the love of my life. I grew stronger with the sound of his voice. I watched him declare his love and need to me through his actions and prayers to the gods. I knew the gods gave us this love we shared, and I would continue to honor it into whatever future we held together. "'Laverne,' I whispered with a dry throat, "'help me rise. I am free. I am purified.'" He came to me, his hands strong under my arms. He lifted me to stand and raised his head to the heavens, singing thanks. I turned to stand behind him and dropped my dress to the grass. I took a step so my back was against his, my hot skin absorbing his sweat. My head rested under his shoulders, and I entwined our fingers. My legs were growing weak with relief and need of him when I felt his body quiver. I released his hands and we turned to face each other. "'Are you chilled?' I asked this as I trembled with my need. "'No,' he said as he pulled me tightly against his body. His head dipped to kiss me, and I felt him, fully erect, pressing his hips into mine. Our bodies reacted to the prolonged absence of each other. "'I have missed you so!' I wept and reached my arms around him, my face buried against his chest." He lifted my chin and looked into my eyes. I saw tears in his reflected in the waning light. Jana, as my wife, you should not have had to face the trials you did. It is my job to give you protection, and I failed. Before I left, you implored increased protection from me, and I failed to do the same for you. Your taking and Bethan's death should fall on my shoulders, not yours. I Beg your forgiveness. I ask the gods' forgiveness. We are both purified with his hunt and sacrifice, I said. We must now follow the path of our future. We kissed, our tears creating clean lines through our stag's blood-covered faces. Laverne eased me to the ground, the white pelt under us for protection. I cried in pleasure as his mouth and hands found my breasts, I lifted my legs around his slender hips, and he groaned as he entered me. We moved as one, searching for the most important truth in the world, the love of a man and a woman, the urge to create new life. I screamed into the night with my release, and he cried out my name. We clung to each other, loving again and again until the sun rose. The fire is out, I said as I lifted my head to look over his shoulder. He still lay atop me. I am hungry. Is there dried meat and water? Later I will cook the meat I removed for this purpose. You need to eat well from now on. Looking into his face and seeing his grin, I realized he would know, even as I did, that I was with child. His child. Our child a child of this night. Yes, I will take care of my body and soul for our daughter. She will carry our blood to the future. I agree, but now we will take care of us. I need you again, Jana. My body will never tire of yours, even when you are too big to walk. Mm, it is pleasant to have you inside me, but I have enough hunger to eat a pony. Quiet woman. I will feed our souls first, then your stomach." Later we ate meat from the stag, climbed onto our pony and traced our path home. We stopped only to wash our bodies in the waterfall of the sacred pool. There we loved each other again. My mother was awake when we returned to the hospice. I knelt by her and whispered, "'I am with child, a girled child.' She laughed, and for a few days we made plans. She spent her last days with smiles on her face and hope in her eyes. At the end she kissed me and said she would be with me at her granddaughter's birth. I was to look for a sign. "'Teach her to weave the clan colors. They must be carried on.' "'I will, mother. She will learn to use your loom as I did. Janna, you will be a good mother.' She blessed me with the highest praise a mother can give a daughter, my heart filled with pride and sorrow. She died in her sleep during the next full moon. Laverne gently cradled me in his arms while we mourned our loss. A large owl, my mother's sign, made its resting place, after hunting, in the tree outside our door. She watched over me and mine for the rest of our time. She still Watches over my blood. Please join me again for another chapter of The Fox by Arlene Radasky. Now enjoy the music of Steve McDonald's song, The Voyage of Meldon, from his album Legend. His music can be found at www.etherian.com, who along with Steve have allowed me to use the music in my podcasts. Learn more about The Fox at www.radasky.com.
1: sailed the wildest sea from the land of the stone door to the undersea island to the island of prophecy but none took my heart like the island of a woman and the lady they call their queen and the island of eagles with the lake of red water would turn old age into The falcons fly high in the soft morning sky with a message on golden wings for the silence is coming to answer your prayers not a single question remains not a song to